From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Joining me in the studio today is Tatiana Mead Shamis, Associate Principal Violist for the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. Though she's lived in Pennsylvania for many years, Mrs. Shamis has ties to Utah. This is where she switched from violin to viola, studied with Mikhail Boguslavsky, and made her solo debut with the Utah Symphony. She also regularly comes back this way for performances at the University of Utah and recitals in Colorado. She's been a featured soloist with the Curtis Institute Symphony Orchestra and the Sao Paulo and Porto Alegre Symphony Orchestras in Brazil. Of course, the Pittsburgh Symphony has engaged her several times as a soloist as well. And with them, she premiered Lionel Turtis' transcription for viola of Elgar's Cello Concerto and recently played the American premiere of Boris Pigovat's Requiem for Viola and Orchestra. In addition to her symphony performances, Tatiana Mead-Shamis regularly performs chamber music, in some instances playing alongside musicians like Lynn Harrell, Joshua Bell, Emmanuel Axe, and Gil Shaham. Today we'll hear her perform music of Bach, Hindemith, and a living composer, Hernani Aguiar of Brazil. And we'll start now with Suite Number no. 4 in E-flat major. This is by Johann Sebastian Bach. We'll listen to the first movement, the prelude. Thank you. 
Prelude movement of Bach's famous cello suite number no. four, performed live on the viola by Tatiana Mead Shamis. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and this is Highway 89. Tatiana, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. It's really great to hear you play. Thank you so much for having me. And I have to say, that sounds gorgeous on the viola. I love playing these suites on the viola, and some would argue that they are easier to play, and it's just an octave higher than on the cello. And um, they do work so well on the instrument. I've always wondered what made Bach write them for unaccompanied cello or for the, the many different unaccompanied instruments. As you play it, do you feel like this was an artistic expression or, or an etude? or What do you think? I believe it might have been written as an etude, also as an expression of his on his ability to improvise on, let's say, a key. He picked mm. a key. I'll, I'll write a prelude on that key, an aleman, a courant, a saramande, and they'll all sound completely different and improvisational. So that's the beauty of being able to play these is also they can always be different. The interpretations are varied, and it's a pleasure to be able to do that. And you must have played these. I know she had your eyes closed most of the time, that this is really part of you. Absolutely. I love these. <laughs> uh, speaking more about Bach, your husband, uh, Flavio Chamis, he's a composer, and I understand for one of your birthdays, he did an arrangement of a Bach cello suite for viola and jazz trio for you. <laughs> Tell me about right. that. That's quite unusual. It's You would think just from hearing the title that it's something where jazzifying Bach and playing it with a jazz trio, which is not at all. He's heard, of course, these, these cello suites as I play them at home and in recitals, and uh, his inspiration came from, he works in jazz and in Brazilian music and was seeing what a jazz trio could do with those harmonies that are implied in, in the melodies. So the viola can only play, you know, the certain chords. And, and so there are implied harmonies in these pieces. And so he wrote out the harmonies just the way a jazz trio might see them on a on a page yeah on a chart on a chart exactly yeah. and they 
take this, first I play it the way Bach wrote it. So you hear in performance, you hear me playing a prelude, for example, the G major prelude, and then they have in front of them afterwards, they improvise on all of those harmonies all the way through exactly in the same structure. And then I play the Quran from another suite and they improvise on that. And so you hear the Bach and then you hear the jazz and back and forth like this. And it's a really great uh, duel. Interesting, like, interesting combination yeah. of instruments. And uh, you'll be playing next a piece by Paul Hindemith. Uh, this piece also has some ties to Bach as well, I understand. Yes, it does. It's like an ode to Bach. This one movement that I'm playing, the Passacaglia, the very last movement of the Opus 11, number five for unaccompanied uh, viola. And what he does is it's, it's very much tied to the very famous D minor Chacon from the unaccompanied partita for violin. And you'll hear the similarities in a way that you don't understand a language, for example, if, if there's a language being spoken, but you understand the gestures ah. and you understand <laughs> what they might be saying. And in his very own language, he wrote a, a Pasacaglia Chacon, same kind of form based on really just a... Um, half step, da, da, all the way through and just improvised and showed what a genius he was in improvisation as well. Well, let's, let's hear this piece. This is uh, the Opus 11, number five by Paul Hindemith, German composer, lived till 1963. Uh, as far as uh, improvisation, there is sort of an apocryphal story about Bach that says he's so famous for his ability to improvise that one f famous French organist traveled to town to compete against him, but just hearing Bach warm up improvising, the Frenchman just left town before the contest. Now here is Opus 11, number 5, by Paul Hindemith. Thank you. 
fourth movement of Hindemith's Opus 11, number five, performed live by Tatiana Mead Shamis. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Tatiana, that piece ends uh, not just double stops, but octaves. That's really unusual. Isn't it? He co- always comes t- to the end of the piece, to the end of these movements that are a little atonal, a little strange language, and he ends tonally with octaves and in <laughs> C major. And, <laughs> it's incredible. Can you tell when you play a piece that's written by someone like Hindemith, who himself played the viola, is there a difference? Yes. It really does lay well for the viola. It doesn't sound like it sounds difficult. It is quite difficult, but uh, it, it's written in a way that's it is playable. With a lot of work. (laughs) Well, you spent your most recent sabbatical year living and working in Brazil. You went with your family, your children, and your husband. Was that your first time living in Brazil? Actually living there for a period of time, yes. We traveled there quite often, um, enough that I was able to pick up on the language. But that we decided to take our kids, we have three children, and let them be immersed in the culture and the language for an entire year. What city do you, did you stay in? Florianopolis, ah. the capital of Santa Catarina. Well, I heard that you started collecting Brazilian viola music. And forgive me, but that sounds like it could be a very small niche. <laughs> could really, I found it, both it, pieces. It really is. And actually, playing the viola there, it came up with an interesting dilemma when I said that I play the viola. And Portuguese viola means guitar. Oh. And um, they would say... I'd say I play the viola, and I have to explain it the way I sometimes have to explain here what a viola is. It's not a violin, it's bigger. And one lady said to me, here we call it a violin. (laughs) (laughs) Which she didn't understand what the difference was anyway. But so anyway, uh, yes, I collected music from a student. Instead of taking money um, to teach him, I asked him to collect as much viola music written in Brazil as mm. as he could find. And he gave me quite a little stack, and I found some real gems in that collection. Interesting. Uh, so the composer we are going to hear from next, Hernani Aguiar, he's Brazilian. Yes. Composer, still living. Still living. In I Rio, sp- I believe. I suppose you ever happened to call him or to I did. email? <laughs> I did. Recorded this piece, Melodytmias, and I wasn't very sure about the first movement's uh, tempo. Mm. I had started playing it quite quickly. I liked the rhythm of it in a quick tempo, and I wanted to know what his idea was because Ponteando is 
there's not exactly a, a style for that. So, I mean, a, an exact tempo for yeah. that. So uh, I did email him. My husband spoke to him, and he said he wanted to have the slower tempo, whatever that might <laughs> be. So I'm taking it at a slower tempo now. So I had that on the recording. Now, I, but I hear there, as you say, there is a recording in progress. You're going to yes. make a recording of all Brazilian viola pieces. Yeah, some of them that were in the stack that the student gave me, yes. Nice. Yes. That's really quite a good deal he got for, for free lessons <laughs> with a little bit of a, a sleuthing to find. <laughs> he must have had good taste then if you like some of the pieces. Well, I'm always curious to hear new music and put new things into my repertoire, so it was good for me too. Well, let's hear this first movement. This is a, a performance by our special guest, Tatiana Mead Shamis. She's the associate principal violist of the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. This piece by Brazilian composer Hernani Aguiar, Melorythmias number five for solo viola. Tatiana Mead Shamis performing Melorythmias No. 5 for solo viola by Brazilian composer Hernani Aguiar. You're listening to Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Tatiana, you come from a multicultural background. I understand you spoke three languages growing up. Yes. How much have? Okay, English we know. 
French was my first language. Really? My mother spoke French. That My mother and father had French as a common language. Um, my mother spoke four languages. My father spoke seven. And so they decided they wanted to have us speak one of those languages, mm. <laughs> French being one of them, although neither of them is French. And, and so then we spoke French at home, English. I was born in the States. And then when I was... Uh, about five or six, we moved to Germany, went to school there for two and a half years and spoke German. And my grandmother speaks German as well. So we heard her speaking German all the time. So music was yet another language to you, a yes, fourth language. Absolutely. And when we came back to the States after those two and a half years and we're, I was speaking three languages, I remember being made fun of for my accent at school. And I became so afraid of speaking mm. and at the same time I was playing music though and and that really drew me and I could express myself without an accent and so really the my instrument became my voice for a while until you had the confidence yes I guess yes now you switched from violin to viola I understand that uh, Mikhail Boguslavsky was your teacher at that time yes and the first piece he introduced to you, you must have had quite a high skill level on the violin for him to think, I'll have her try this on the viola. Is that? <laughs> it was one of the first pieces that he introduced, absolutely. I remember being about 15, 16, that's when I switched mm -hmm. to, to viola. And he... Is that something you had felt to do or that he no, suggested? No, I was really enjoying the violin and he suggested, I have very long fingers. And he said, your hand is perfect for playing the viola. I think you should play the viola. And he gave me one of his violas and he said, just try it. He gave me the first Bach suite, mm -hmm. the prelude from the G major suite, and said, take it home and try this. He showed me the clef really quickly and I put it under my bed. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> and after a while, I did take it out, and I fell in love with the sound of the viola. And it's true. And after that, I just, uh, that was it, really. I, all I wanted to do was play the viola. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Well, I wonder, when he gave you this piece we're going to hear, this, 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 is, this is a whole other type of piece than, than what we heard already from right. Hindemith. Yes, um, Hindemith wrote one of the most extraordinary pieces for viola ever. I've never played anything like this one. Um, he used the C string, which is, you know, very much viola. Mm -hmm. the, the viola only has that low C string, unlike the violin. And in this piece, it, it appears about 300, more than 300 times within two minutes. <laughs> and and it's just belted out, and he was, he put his, his indication as quick as possible, the beauty of the sound is completely secondary. Uh, this was to make a powerful statement. This was written um, at um, the end of the World War. And at the end of the Second World War, he was completely just devastated by what was going on mm. and wanted to, he wrote down, you'll see how he was feeling. And this spoke to me then too, when you're a teenager and you just want to have a voice and you want to just... Oh, you know, it, it, I, I was brought up in a very uh, strict environment and only classical music. And, and this was something that I could really belt out and it felt like rock and roll to me. Well, interesting that you, there's a note, a performance note that says raging tempo, wild. And as you said, beauty of tone is secondary. So everything that musicians are told to, oh, to sound so beautiful and in a tune and everything, you kind of let it slide in right. order to get the emotion. He did the same thing in, in the writing. There's no actual uh, tempo, um, except for that tempo marking. There's, there's no clear uh, bar 
indication. There's just numbers for how many beats are in a bar. It's all written in quarter notes so that you can, when as you learn it, you just learn those quarter notes and then you just play it as fast and crazy as possible. Oh, let's hear this piece. This is Opus 25, number one by Paul Hindemith. And if you are not familiar with this piece, which I wasn't, get ready. I think you're going to like this, especially with that putting in context, knowing the time of history and that Hindemith himself, a German composer, that he wrote it. Opus 25, number one of Paul Hindemith, a tour de force performed live by Tatiana Mead Shamis. I have to say, the strings on your bow are just flying and fraying as you were. I was worried you were going to saw through everything. <laughs> I lost a few bow hairs there. What an amazing piece. Uh, that concludes this edition of Highway 89, and what are we going to play after that? Tatiana Mead Shamis is the associate principal violist of the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra, getting ready to release two new albums of music, so keep an eye out for those. And recently she played the American premiere of Boris Pigovat's Requiem for Viola and Orchestra. Thank you so much for being here, Tatiana. Thank you so much for having me. I know you're here for master classes, performance, and all that, but you fit this in for us. So us and our audience, we thank you very much. Thank you. We'd also like to thank April Walters from the University of Utah School of Music for arranging today's performance, as well as Claudine Bigelow. We always like to hear from our listeners. We welcome comments and questions. Send them by email to highway89 at byu.edu or via our Twitter page at highway89livemusic. That's H-W-Y-8-9 Live Music. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite, and the show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.